can dine-in pizza still work? Hello, this is Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and in this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with a trio of executives from Mountain Mike's Pizza, co-CEOs and brand owners Chris Britt and Ed St. Jem, and Chief Operating Officer Jim Mativier. Mountain Mike's is a California-based chain that operates about 270 locations. Chris and Ed bought it about six years ago. The trio talk about the history of the brand and its growth since Chris and Ed acquired the company. They talk about the impact of the pandemic and what it has done to its takeout and delivery business, which has grown very strongly over the past three years. But they also talk about the pull of the chain's dine-in business. Dine-in pizza has struggled over the years, but there is some evidence that people are coming back to it either for nostalgia reasons or just to get out of the house. And brands with an entertainment element have done quite well recently. Mountain Mike's may help prove that. We also had some interesting discussions about Chris and Ed's time as Burger King operators. We're talking pizza business on a deeper dive, so please have a listen. Okay, I am here with a bunch of people from Mountain Mike's Pizza. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. here. All right, so let's, uh, I guess let's start out, Chris and Ed. Uh, We've got uh, Chris Britt. Why don't you start out, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm Chris Britt, along with uh, my partner, Ed St. Jim. We've uh, owned Mountain Mike's for six years of its history. We actually go back further than that with the brand, but Mountain Mike's is a brand that's been around for now, I think about 45th year, but Ed and I acquired the brand uh, six years ago. We had been franchisees uh, in our prior lives, various parts of the investment business, but we were we owned 43 Burger King restaurants as a franchisee from 2004 to 2014. That got us really enthused about the restaurant business and, frankly, the franchise business and sort of what we learned as a franchisee. And we became you know, really enamored with the space. And then Mount Mike's uh, was presented to us back, I think, in 2015. And we got really excited about that because the connection to the past is Ed and I went to Stanford in the early 80s, uh, and in 1980, we ate at the very first Mountain Mike's restaurant, which opened in 1978 on the edge of the Stanford campus. And it was a really cool pizza place back back then when we were freshmen. Fast forward 36 years later, we have a chance to buy the brand. And we very enthusiastically did so. And we're able to sort of find great Folks like Jim Mativier here was also uh, our president and COO, and he'll give you his background. But we've really been able to um, to get great people involved, really grow the brand significantly from here. Uh, and Ed, I'm not sure what you'd add to that, but that's kind of a little bit of the background on our our involvement with Not Mike's. Yeah, I guess, you know, Ed St. Jam, and as Chris mentioned, uh, I think you know when we each uh, Chris and I each graduated from Stanford in 1984, we sort of uh, pursued our own uh, independent, separate uh, investment paths uh, and careers, but we came together, as Chris alluded to, um, essentially sort of ad hoc in 2003, led to that 2004 Burger King acquisition, and then for 10 years, and then, you know, subsequently, again, as he described, it led to, you know, serendipitously uh, to the Mountain Mike's opportunity coming across our desk, and and uh, we were very happy to, uh, to that it did. Very happy that it did. We didn't know at the time, of course, uh, that that Palo Alto location was the first location. I'm not so sure, Chris. We even knew that it was a chain at the time. It was, it was, but it was a great pizza place on the edge of campus. And then 
lo and behold, 36 years later, you know, at that time, you know, it was about 180, 180 locations. So mm -hmm. now you, you guys are involved in some other restaurants besides Mountain Mike's. Yeah. I mean, it's not just these, these, this one you own. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we own uh, another brand, Juice It Up, which is a longtime player in uh, smoothies, acai bowls and juices, you know, founded in 1995. We'd known the owner there for a number of years. I remember meeting with them when they had uh, three units uh, back in the late 1990s. So we were fortunate enough to add that brand as well. And, um, you know, they're also our franchise support centers here are, you know, uh, right here together in Newport Beach. And uh, we're doing some things together across the brands. Uh, but the one common denominator, Jonathan, is for both these brands uh, is just building out great management teams and leadership teams. And there's, there's nothing more evident than the gentleman we have beside us here, Jim Mativier, um, who runs Mountain Mike's, uh, who's got a tremendous background. And Jim, you know, we'd love to have you sort of weigh in on your background and Mountain Mike's experience. Sure, absolutely. So, yep, Jim Mativier, 30 years in the restaurant space, started as an assistant manager for KFC in Orlando, Florida in the early 90s and right out of business school and didn't know much about restaurants and uh, until I started working in them and uh, and then just fell in love with them. So it's the probably the most challenging job out there, but probably the most rewarding as well. Uh, worked in Yum Brands for, gosh, 25 years, let's say. Uh, pretty much every role you could think of. Worked on every brand they had. So Long John's, Taco Bell, A&W, Pizza Hut, Wing Street, uh, even some brands we, we interacted with like Backyard Burger. Um, and, uh, eventually, you know, work my way up in every function, uh, development strategy, marketing, finance, uh, and eventually ran KFC us as chief operating officer, uh, with the 5,000 restaurants at the time, uh, also ran a, a breakfast concept in the East called Biscuitville, and then got mm -hmm. the call to uh, talk to Chris and Ed about pizza out here in California and, um, didn't know much about Mount Mike's, but what I loved first and foremost were Chris and Ed. And I love that they had franchise experience because for me, it's all about the franchisee. And uh, these guys had walked in their shoes. And so they were very empathetic to the challenges that franchisees have on a day in and day out basis. Uh, and then I fell in love with uh, the brand when I actually tasted the product. Uh, it is the best pizza that is out there. It's truly pizza the way it ought to be. Uh, it's positioned at the right price, uh, at the right quality. Uh, and that's really what separates our brand uh, apart from everybody else that's out there is the quality of our pizza, the quality of our franchisees, the engagement in the community. I fell in love with all that. And so I joined the company, gosh, a little over four years ago. And uh, we've just been climbing the mountain every day. Mm -hmm. And five <laughs> franchise conventions, I would add. That's right. <laughs> so um, so uh, where's uh, Mountain Mike's at today? How are things going? Looks like you had a pretty solid year last year. Yeah, uh, we uh, things the last few years have gone through the roof. Um, we've been driving some great, not only same-store sales within the four walls of our restaurant, but also growth across the country with uh, new unit growth. Uh, gee, I think two years ago, we were up 8.5% same-store sales. Last year, we were up 15%. Uh, this year, we're up about 3% full year. So we just keep, you know, climbing over those comps on, a, on an annual basis. Unit count growth, when Chris and Ed purchased the company, there are about 170-ish restaurants. 
And now we're uh, almost 270. We're pushing 270 by the end of this year. Uh, so we just continue to grow. And not only uh, in California, but outside California, where now we have active development in eight states. We're actually going to be opening up our first in Texas uh, hmm. next month. So we're really excited about that. Mm-hmm. And I would also add, importantly, on the average unit volume side, which was really kind of one of the things we really wanted to focus on. Uh, we've gone from around 800,000 back in 2017 to uh, 1.1 million uh, today. Uh, but importantly, the top end of the system, uh, because that's really what you aspire to and people you know, at Mountain Mike's always want to get to, the top half of our system averages over 1.4 million and the top 25%, 1.8 million. So that's, you know, a lot of the new stores we're opening are kind of opening at, you know, higher volumes. And there's a lot of promise going forward, I think, in uh, moving the brand outside of California. In fact, we should point out that of the 59-ish um, franchise agreements that we've signed in the last two years, over half of those are outside of California, mm-hmm. which is remarkable because our brand when we bought it was 99% California. Mm-hmm. Has there been any, like, uh, I mean, do you foresee any sort of challenges in, in opening outside of, out of California? I mean, you have your home base, that's where you're most well-known. I mean, so how are you, is it, uh, are you focusing mostly on contiguous states for the most part, except for Texas? Yeah, so we, we wanted to do a very, I like to call it thoughtful growth. So yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't just go to where somebody raised their hand and say, hey, I want to open a Mountain Mike's in Massachusetts. You know, we want to make sure we're sensitive to the brand awareness. The funny thing is we get people on social media across the whole country that have been exposed to Mountain Mike's growing up and they're just dying for great pizza. And so they're asking us to go everywhere. Um, the other piece of that is there's a a lot of folks who have immigrated, let's say, out of California into the nearby states. So whether it's Idaho, Nevada, Arizona, even Texas. And um, so they are aware of the brand. And so as we're opening these restaurants, we're seeing great results. And so, you know, we continue to pour into those communities, make sure that the people who aren't fans of Mountain Mike's know who we are and that we're coming. And then as soon as they taste their, our pizza, they're just totally hooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing, just to build on what, what Jim said, because it's so true about the anticipation that exists in these other states that we're opening is that, um, you know, Mountain Mike's is the full, is, is what you remember as a child going to your favorite pizza place, because it's not just delivery and carry out. And don't get me wrong, we probably had the fastest growing delivery and carry out over the last three years in the entire industry, uh, based upon all the data that we see. But we have a great dining experience as well. That pizzeria dining experience where you can bring a little league team, your family, you can have a fundraiser. We got big screen TVs across the board. We're a sports pizzeria of of choice in terms of our partnerships, not only with the big leagues, but also the little leagues. So, and I think everyone remembers when, you know, they were younger, what was that pizza place that they went to? It has a very emotional aspect to it. And Mountain Mike's is one of the few players that offers that. And I think that's really resonating um, outside of California, in addition to for many, many years inside California. Has it been tempted to change that model to go, you know, to do what a Pizza Hut did and go go fully on to the delivery and carry out? Yeah, uh, I'll start. And Chris, you could always add or add. Um, for us, we think that dining is uh, core to our essence. And we also think it's a huge opportunity. It goes back to what what Chris said about 
you know, for us, our mission statement is we're bringing family, sports fans, and communities to dine, share, and celebrate around the greatest pizza that's out there. You have to have a space to do that. You know, we're very much involved in the communities, and you can't have little league teams come to a delivery and carryout unit, and they're just going to pick the pizza up. This is a place where they come in. There's video games you can play, you watch television, um, and sports games. Mom and dad can have a beer or a wine. It's really a place that people can connect. And, you know, I talk about that all the time. I think our, our world and especially our society, people are just being disconnected and dividing. And we want to be a place where people can come together. So we, we're very passionate about maintaining that, that dining uh, space in our restaurants. That seems to kind of go against the uh, uh, where things are going. <laughs> um, you know, it kind of runs counter to 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 a lot. It's particularly the pizza sector because it's like the pizza yeah. sector in particular has seen this just massive shift away from dining. Because you know, when we were growing up, I mean, it was a it was a primarily a dining thing, and you yeah. you yeah. got and we all had memories of of you know dining pizza, and and now it's it's pretty much. Uh, dominated largely by delivery and carryout, but you 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 believe that there's there is enough that there is still plenty of demand for that dine-in pizza experience. There is, and I'll tell you why. In addition to what Jim said, and I've heard you say this on other podcasts, which is the reason why you go out. You go out to have a good time. You go out to have an experience at Mount Mike's. There is a, a wow factor. There's a wow factor with the pizza. There's a wow factor with the building. There's nothing better than seeing a bunch of kids and families in a restaurant having fun, playing the games, watching the sports. And if that contracts across the sector, that's good for us because we are gonna we are gonna always be that place to go for your fundraiser, your school, your community, your family. Uh, that's that's important. Um, and I think it's it's one of the key reasons why we've been able to resonate not only with guests, but also franchisees, franchisees from other brands. You know, Mountain Mike's is fairly unique uh, in this space, and that's going to provide us continued opportunities for growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we think it's a real differentiator. And the other thing is that in our our footprint is sort of the perfect size. It's not uh, It's not too large, but it's large enough to provide the, the dine-in segment that uh, Chris and Jim just referenced. So there's a good balance there, but it's a real differentiator. Yeah. But then you also still have the delivery and carry-out business, and it sounds like that business is doing very well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we when uh, COVID hit in California, I mean, you think about states being shut down. We, we got shut down, right? Our dine-in was gone. And uh, but, you know, for the first couple of weeks, we saw a dip in the sales, but nowhere near the percentage of dine in sales. So we actually made that up. And then our, our delivery and carry out just went through the roofs. I mean, I think one quarter we were over 50 percent same store sales growth year over year in delivery and carry out. And uh, that we've maintained that business. And now, you know, that the dine in has been opened back up, it's, it's been coming back. Uh, we're not to the place we were pre-COVID, but we see that as a huge opportunity. And, you know, people are changing their, beha- their behaviors to come back. And so we're going to capitalize that, continue to uh, enhance and romance that dining experience for our guests and just drive it, drive it going forward. Yeah. Well, it seems like to me the way, you know, I kind of view the industry right now as you have, you know, the industry is almost dividing into 
it's not entire, but it, like it's almost dividing into because you're going to have convenience. You know, people there on one hand, you want people want convenience, but you really see this sort of this experiential customer really coming back and coming back with an absolute authority. And you know, I mean, we've seen it with, and I'd imagine that you're seeing it uh, with your dine-in because of because of the games aspect. But you know, anything with sort of this entertainment element is really generally doing fairly well um, on that front, but you still have, it's almost like you're hedging your bets in some respects. Yeah. What's great is that, you know, there's different occasions for the guests still getting our one product, but we're meeting them, whether it's, you know, they want to do carry out delivery at home, third party dine-in we're, we're available to meet the guests wherever they are. Yeah. And that, that's really the main thing that is, that is a focus over the last five, six years is get the product to the guests in the form they want to receive it, right? Yep. So on that, you know, on that front, make no mistake about it, our delivery and care of business is phenomenal. Like I said, I think our numbers are the best in the industry over the past three or four years, as far as growth. Um, and we got this dine-in piece. But we also, for instance, embrace third-party delivery, which is also not something that other folks in our space have done or done as easily. And that's been great for us because, frankly, it's a different customer. If you're not in the consideration set with DoorDash, you're not going to get a chance to, to, to get that order. And what we found is we've had tremendous growth in that part of the business, but our own delivery, our own carry have also grown significantly. So we want it all. You know, Mountain Mike's is, wants it all. We want to be, and our product is so good with the legendary crispy curly pepperoni, the dough made fresh daily. Jim, you're the, let's, let's hear the commercial, man. Mountain Mike's. <laughs> yeah, 100% wholemeal mozzarella cheese, toppings to the edge. Actually, it's funny. Um, I've heard this other places, but, you know, for our large pepperoni pizzas, it's like my first week on the job. I had to talk about this on a live spot, and I found out we put over 100 pepperonis on a large uh, Mountain Mike's pepperoni pizza. And then we actually have a larger size called the Mountain, which is a 20-inch pizza, which is the largest pizza in the top 25 pizza chains out there. We put over 200 pepperonis on a large pepper or a mountain-sized pepperoni pizza, and it's it's a sight to behold. Uh, and it's yeah, in fact, because, yeah, yeah, in fact, if yeah. you want to see the definition of amazement, yes, <laughs> put a uh, put you know because the other thing you remember the pizza business is the reveal on opening the box, right? You reveal, you open the box, you see the pizza, put a mountain in front of a group of kids, see the amazement on their face. There, there is a serious wow factor to our mountain-sized pizza. Absolutely. Right. Let me, um, I want to shift back to the delivery question. Now, do you have, um, are you concerned at all about the, the, the cost of third-party delivery or how do you deal with that? You want me to answer that, Chris? Yeah, go ahead. Not concerned about the cost. Uh, that was actually a concern that our franchisees uh, had, I don't know, five, four or five years ago when we first came on. We had that conversation because everybody was looking at the middle of the PL and saying, if I look at this order, you know, it's going to, I'm going to drive this much less profit, right? But the way they were looking at it incorrectly was these are incremental sales because when people go on a third party app, it's a third party consumer. It's not necessarily a Mountain Mike's consumer, they're going to go direct to us. So we were missing all of those potential guests because we weren't available on the app. So we actually did tests and we found out that it was highly, highly incremental. And so we rolled that out. And then to even help offset some of that, let's call it a reduction in profit, 
we, uh, we went to a two-tiered pricing system last year. So franchisees could actually charge a little bit more of a premium if they go through third-party apps. And that just totally um, changed, you know, fixed the delta if there was one at all. Just one other point, Jonathan, is, is some franchisees, you know, testing out strategies like a late night strategy yeah. where you can continue to fulfill third party orders past a normal closing uh, period where you don't have to staff as much to generate incremental business. And we've had at least a few franchisees generate unbelievable results on that. So it's here to stay. It's, it's something that is, as Jim said, in testing that is mostly incremental. And those incremental profit dollars have been very rewarding for our franchisees. Yeah. Now, did you have, um, uh, Jim, did you have problems getting uh, drivers uh, at all? And has, has third party helped in that? We've heard that yeah. from, from above. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when with COVID and everything, everybody dealt with it, right? I mean, it's, it's always tough just to get uh, folks to work in the restaurants from a staffing perspective. And then it just got amplified through COVID. So, uh, yeah, third party definitely helped with that. And we're also testing a uh, uh, DoorDash Drive, which is, you know, in peak hours where, all of a sudden, you know, those late night Friday and Saturdays where it's hard to staff for a couple hours, you could actually do an on demand and use third party to even deliver your um, your pizza where, you know, you might not have some drivers. So we're testing that as well to make sure there's a great seamless guest experience. But absolutely, that helps. So how is um, how is staffing right now? Are you seeing any improvements or what? Yeah. yeah I mean, we obviously we had the same challenges everybody else had, but. Uh, what, uh, knock on wood, what we didn't have was we didn't have any limited hours. We didn't have any closed restaurants. Our franchisees are very resourceful and did a great job through uh, that challenge. And it has gotten better over the last, I'd say, four to five months. Um, but it's, it's never done, right? It's never easy. It's always a challenge in the restaurants every day. But yeah, it's a lot better. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, one of the benefits, if I might add, of a, a franchise system, because Mountain Mike's, a hundred percent franchise other than we do have two very important cor- corporate partnership stores here locally, but franchisees and the mountain Mike's franchisees in particular, it's a family, it's a family. And, you know, uh, you treat your people, right? Like a family and, and the vast majority of our franchisees, they are of that ilk that it's a, it's very much a family within the restaurant. It's, it's, it mitigates a lot of those issues that a lot of the other, uh, say corporate owned chains or, or, or less be- uh, well-run franchise systems have. And as a consequence, I think, you know, we've been better off, but, but again, there's pressure on that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I want to uh, shift directions a little bit um, and, and ask uh, uh, Chris and Ed this, this question. You, you owned uh, Burger King restaurants for about a, a decade as a franchisee. I noticed two things. One, you no longer own those restaurants and B, you no longer are a franchisee of existing restaurants. First question is, uh, A, what did you learn during that time owning Burger Kings that led you to say, hey, I want to keep owning restaurants, but I this time I want to own a brand? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, B, why not remain as a franchisee of existing brands? Yeah. So on the, you know, the, the question with Burger King is a very good question. As I mentioned on the outset, we had three different franchisors during our 10-year period. Hmm. They all had different goals and objectives when they took over, including different remodeling programs, different uh, in-restaurant in initiatives. 
So you can imagine how difficult that is for a franchisee to have to pivot every, you know, two, three, four years on that side. But the, the, the one thing that I think, and again, I tremendously respect the current owners of Burger King. They've been there for quite a while now. They were our third owner, folks at 3G, et cetera. Um, and I think they've, you know, uh, done a lot of great things there. But this is an investment for people. This is something that people build their livelihoods around. And you want that to make economic sense. And if, if the amount of money you put in is, is way more than the money you get out, you just don't have a, a, a good business. So one of the things that we learned um, there was we have to have a great franchise opportunity. And what's a great franchise opportunity? It's not only the support you have from the franchisor. It's not only, you know, a great business model from a, a, a margin standpoint. It's I want to be able to uh, return the capital on my, on my investment in, in our case, three years or less. That's how, we, that's how we structured both the brands that we own. We want to make sure our franchisees, if they put up, you know, $450,000 on a net basis to build a, a Mountain Mike's restaurant and they do at least average unit volume, they're going to get at least 150000 in pre-tax profit out of that. So we're very metrics-based in making sure that our franchisees have an opportunity to have a successful business. Um, secondly, you know, the franchisor in that case, maybe because of size, other factors, very inaccessible. You know, you couldn't talk to anybody, really get the type of guidance and support that, you know, we would have expected. Uh, we were kind of on our own back then. And again, I know they've done some great things recently, but so our team's accessible. Our team is available at a moment's notice to support all of our franchisees. It's a franchisee first mentality. It's yeah. like we are there to focus on uh, how to grow sales, how to grow profitability. So we call it, you know, with Mountain Mike's, it's pizza the way it ought to be. We call it franchising the way it ought to be. That's kind of how we look at our job. Um, as far as being a, we love being a franchisee. Um, we and we put our, our we put ourselves in the shoes of a franchisee, you know, every single day. Because honestly, if their success is our success, if they're not successful, if our partners aren't successful, we're not going to be successful. If they're not successful, we can't grow the brand. Um, so. You know, we view ourselves as kind of stewards of their livelihoods and growth opportunity. And it's a great place to be, to have that kind of impact. Um, and we take that very seriously at Mountain Mike's. Yeah. There's a level of empathy that, that runs through us um, sort of every single day in terms of that franchisor franchisee, putting our, as Chris said, putting ourselves in the shoes of the franchisee. And of course, Jim has... Uh, been doing that for you know for thirty years. So, mm -hmm. uh, so Ed and Chris, would you would you consider buying uh, another brand? You got two now, and would you consider buying a, a third at all? That's a really good question. Well, you got any available, Jonathan? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got. Uh, honestly, right uh, <laughs> uh, that's a really good question because you know, uh, gosh, we've been doing this for decades, right? Um, in terms of investing, owning, you know, building. And there is so much opportunity. I mean, with both of these brands, but focus on Mountain Mike's. I mean, Mountain Mike's, honestly, we have, uh, we're, we're pushing 270 units 
there's very few brands in this space that have say a thousand units. Um, there's very few brands in this space that are truly national in scope. Mountain Mike's in and of itself has that opportunity, um, has that opportunity to, to, to reach the pinnacle, you know, to climb that mountain. So while we've looked at some other things here recently, the past few years, we've said, why, why? when you have this kind of opportunity at both these brands. So we are laser focused along with, you know, Jim and our leadership team on taking advantage of the opportunity that, that Mountain Mike's has available to itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've had some, uh, you know, just throwing out some, some numbers here that we got from Technomic is 80% sales growth over the past five years, 40% unit growth, 34, 35% unit volume growth. Uh, you know, not terrible at all. And uh, so, I mean, you probably got, you know, plenty of runway and, and now you're just now breaking out of California. So, yeah. Yeah. So. And another thing's great just as a, as an aside, we have these town halls, we have these meetings from time to time. And Jim always, he's great. Jim's a fantastic culture builder. He understands the importance of people. He's taught us quite a bit about that. Um, and he always starts out meetings and gatherings with an icebreaker and when we get to Mountain Mike's franchisees, they go, some of which have been franchisees for 30 plus years, 20 plus years. And he asked the question, what's your favorite Mountain Mike's pizza? The way their faces brighten up and their eyes light up when they describe their favorite Mountain Mike's pizza, it's, it's unlike anything you'd ever expect. Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal just to see the excitement over a Mountain Mike's pizza for a long, even for a long time franchisee. Super. Gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, joining me this week on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, which was edited, as always, by Kimmy Kazmarek, artwork by Nico Hines. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening.